Chapter Seven of the Silent House. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Mary Herndon Bell. The Silent House by Fergus Hume. Chapter Seven: The Assurance Money. Mrs. Vrain's fainting fit was of no great duration and she shortly recovered her senses, but not her sprightliness. Her excuse was that the long discussion of her husband's murder and the two precise details related to her by Link before Denzil's arrival had so wrought on her nerves as to occasion her temporary indisposition. This reason, which was a trifle weak, since she seemed to bear her husband's loss with great stoicism, awakened suspicions in Lucian's mind as to her truthfulness. However, these were too vague and confused to be put into words, so the young man remained silent until Mrs. Vrain and her father departed. This they did almost immediately, after the widow had given her London and country addresses to the detective, in case he should require her in the conduct of the case. This matter being attended to, she left the room with a parting smile and special bow to Lucian. Link smiled in his turn, as he observed this Parthian shaft, the shooting of which was certainly out of keeping with Mrs. Vrain's character of a mourning widow. "'You seem to have made an impression on the lady, Mr. Denzil,' he said, with a slight cough to conceal his amusement. "'Nonsense,' replied Lucian, his fair face crimsoning with vexation. "'She seems to me one of those shallow women who would sooner flirt with a tinker then pass unnoticed by the male sex. I don't like her, he concluded with some abruptness. On what grounds? Well, she spoke very hardly about her husband, and seemed rather more concerned about this assurance money than his death. She is a flippant doll, with a good deal of the adventurous about her. I don't think, said the barrister significantly, that she is altogether so ignorant of this matter as she pretends to be. The detective raised his eyebrows. "'You don't propose to accuse her of the murder?' he asked sceptically. "'Oh, no,' answered Denzil hastily. "'I don't say she is as guilty as all that. But she knows something, or suspects something.' "'How do you make that out?' "'She fainted at the mention of Stiletto, and I am convinced that Vrain, as I suppose we must call him now, was killed with one.' And again, Link, this woman admitted that she had married her elderly husband in Florence. Now Florence, as you know, is an Italian town. A stiletto is an Italian weapon. Putting these two things together, what do you make of Mrs. Vrain's fainting? I make nothing of it, Mr. Denzil. You are too suspicious. The woman had no reason to rid herself of her husband, as you hint. What about the assurance money? There is a motive there, certainly, a motive of gain. Still, I think you are making a mountain out of a molehill, for I am satisfied that she knows no more who committed the crime than does the Pope himself. It is as well to look in every direction, said Lucian obstinately. Meaning that I should follow this clue, you suggest, which has no existence save in your own fancy. Well, I'll keep my eye on Mrs. Vrain, you may be sure of that. 
"'It won't be difficult, as she will certainly stay in town "'until she identifies the body of her dead husband and gets the money. "'If she is guilty, I'll track her down. "'But I am certain she has nothing to do with the crime. "'If she had, it is not likely that she would enter the lion's den "'by coming to see me. "'No, no, Mr. Denzil, you have found a mare's nest.' Lucian shrugged his shoulders and took up his hat to go. "'You may be right,' said he reluctantly. "'But I have my doubts of Mrs. Vrain, and shall continue to have them until she supplies a more feasible explanation of her fainting. "'In the meantime, I'll leave you to follow out the case in the matter you judge best. "'We shall see who is right in the long run.' And Denzil, still holding to his opinion, took his departure— leaving Link confident that the young man did not know what he was talking about. As the detective sat thinking over the late conversation, and wondering if he could shape any definite course out of it, Denzil put his head in at the door. "'I say, Link,' he called out, "'you'd better find out if Mrs. Vrain is really the wife of this dead man, before you are guided by her story.' After which speech he hurriedly withdrew, leaving Link to digest it at his leisure. At first Link was indignant that Denzil should deem him so easily hoodwinked as the speech implied. Afterwards he began to laugh. "'Wife?' said he to himself. "'Of course she is the man's wife. She knows too much about him to be otherwise. But even granting that Denzil is right, which I don't for a moment admit, there is no need for me to prove the truth of his assumption. If this pretty woman is not the true wife of Berwin, or Vrain, or whatever this dead man's name actually may be, the assurance company will get at the rights of the matter before paying over the money. Subsequent events reflected credit on this philosophical speech and determination of Mr. Link. Had Mrs. Vrain been an impostor, her house of cards would have been knocked down, as soon as reared, by the searching inquiry instituted by the serious assurance company. It appeared that the life of the late Mark Vrain was on the books of the company for no less a sum than twenty thousand pounds, and under the will this was to be paid over to Lydia Vrain, knee Klein. The widow, aided by her father, who was a shrewd businessman in spite of his innocent looks, and the family lawyer of the Vrains, went systematically to work to establish her own identity, the death of her husband, and her consequent right to the money. The first thing to be done was to prove that the dead man was really Vrain. There was some little difficulty in obtaining an order from the authorities for the opening of the grave and the exhumation of the body, but finally the consent of those in power was obtained, and there was little difficulty in the identification of the remains. The lawyer, Mr. Klein, Mrs. Vrain herself, and several people brought up from Bath by the assurance company, swore that the corpse— buried under the false name of Berwin, was that of Mark Vrain, for decomposition had not proceeded so far but what the features could be recognized. There was even no need to enwrap the body from its cerements, as the face itself and the scar thereon were quite sufficient for the friends of the deceased to swear to the corpse. Thereupon the assurance company, on the fullest of evidence, was compelled to admit that their client was dead and expressed themselves ready to pay over the money to Mrs. Vrain, as soon as the will should be proved. Pending the legal process necessary to do this, 
the widow made a great parade of her grief and affection for the dead man she had the body re-enclosed in a new and sumptuous coffin and removed the same to berwin manor near bath where after a short lapse of time it was duly placed in the family vault of the vrains the widow having thus disposed of her husband bethought herself of her stepdaughter who at that time was on a visit to some friends in australia a long letter giving full details was dispatched by mrs vrain and the daughter was requested both by the widow and the lawyer to come back to england at once and take up her abode in berwin manor which with its surrounding acres had been left to her under the will matters connected with the death and its consequences having been disposed of thus far mrs vrain sat down and folding her hands waited till such time as she would receive the assurance money and begin a new life as a wealthy and fascinating widow everyone said that the little woman had behaved very well and that vrain weak-headed as he was supposed to be had shown excellent judgment in dividing his property real and personal so equally between the two claimants miss vrain as became the child of the first wife received the home and acres of her ancestors while the second wife obtained the assurance money which everyone candidly admitted she quite deserved for having sacrificed her youth and beauty to an old man like vrain in those days when all these details were being settled the widow was the most popular personage in bath matters went smoothly with mrs vrain in every respect the will was duly proved the twenty thousand pounds was duly paid over so finding herself rich the widow came with her father to take up her abode in london when settled there one of her first acts was to send a note to lucian telling him that she was in town the good looks of the young man had made a considerable impression on mrs vrain and she appeared anxious to renew the acquaintance although it had been so inauspiciously begun in the purlieus of the police courts on his part lucian lost no time in paying his respects for after the searching inquiry conducted by the serious assurance company out of which ordeal mrs vrain had emerged unscathed he began to think that he had been too hasty in condemning the little widow so he called upon her almost immediately after receiving the invitation and found her after the lapse of three months as pretty as ever and clothed in less heavy mourning it's real sweet of you to call mr denzil said she vivaciously i haven't seen anything of you since we met in mr link's office and sakes have i not had a heap of trouble since then your trouble has done you no harm mrs vrain so far as your looks go three minutes rather than three months might have passed oh that's all right i guess it's not good enough to cry oneself sick for what can't be helped but i want to ask you mr denzil how that policeman is progressing with the case he has found out nothing replied lucian shaking his head and so far as i can see there's not much chance of learning the truth i never thought there was said mrs vrain with a shrug seems to me you don't get round much in this old country well it don't seem as i can do much more i've told all i know and i've offered a reward of five hundred pounds to discover the man who stuck mark if he ain't found for dollars he won't be found at all probably not mrs vrain it is now over three months since the crime was committed and every day makes the chance of discovery less 
but for all that diana vrain's going on the trail mr denzil diana vrain who is she my stepdaughter mark's only child she was in australia out in the wild west of that country and only lately got the news of her father's death i got a letter from her last week and it seems she's coming back here to find out who laid her papa out i'm afraid she'll not succeed said denzil dubiously she'll do her best to replied mrs vrain with a shrug she's as obstinate as a battery mule but it's no use talking she will have her own way and dismissing the subject of miss vrain the pretty widow with an air of relief talked on more frivolous subjects until lucian took his departure End of chapter seven